Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. Before we move on to this week's Grow Guides, I just quickly want to mention that we have a discount code now for tickets to Product Earth. Product Earth is an event that is happening next weekend in the UK, and you can get 20% off your tickets by using the discount code HOHG. We had an awesome interview with Matt Clifton, who is the CEO of Product Earth, yesterday, and he gave us a discount code for tickets. That interview will be out next week, but in case you were thinking about buying tickets for Product Earth sometime this week, I wanted to make sure that you had the discount code to use now in case you were buying them this weekend or at the start of next week. But make sure you tune in for that interview, which is out on Wednesday, and hopefully you can make it to Product Earth next week because it seems like it's going to be a really cool event, man. So if you're in the UK and you listen to this show, get yourself some tickets, head out to Product Earth next week, and of course, download the episode on Wednesday to hear the interview with Matt Clifton. But that's it for now. Let's move on to this week's Grow Guides, which is all about terpene production and preservation on your cannabis plants. I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. So we are on episode 77 of the Grow Guides, and we're talking about increasing terpenes on your cannabis plants this week. We've discussed terpenes before, but we've discussed the different types of terpenes, you know, like the lemonine and the pinene and what each one of them do. But in this episode specifically, we're talking about how to get more of them on your plants and how to preserve more of them as well after harvest and while the drying and curing is going on. So that's our mission this week is to make your weed taste and smell much better for longer. That's the plan. So, I mean, first off, that kind of spoils it. You know, when we say, what is a terpene? Uh, a terpene is something that's on the cannabis plant. It's in the uh, the oils and stuff. That gives the smell and the flavor to the cannabis. And it can also interact with the THC and the CBD and offer different kinds of effects as they interact with each other. So terpenes do quite a lot, man, but the the most thing they're noted for is for the smell and the flavor. So that's uh that's the most important thing. Right? That's that sums it up about, right? Don't you think, lads? Yeah, that's mm. good. See y'all next week. We're done. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hit that whiskey one more time. Let's do it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's good whiskey. Yeah, that's about yeah. right though. Yeah. Terpenes mm-hmm. are yeah, they regulate flavor and smell on your plant, and that, that's pretty much what we're after. And terpenes, uh, it's not just uh, exclusively something that grows on cannabis either. Terpenes are on loads of stuff. You know, they uh, give the smells and flavors to lots of different plants, vegetables and fruits and shit like that. So, but, uh, you know, we as cannabis users, we, um, the majority of us, I'm sure, enjoy the smell and the taste of many different types of cannabis strains. And we enjoy particular strains specifically for their flavor rather than the high. So terpenes can be an important factor to any cannabis grower, any cannabis consumer. So to get the most out of them is very important uh, for me, at least when I'm growing, the, the terpenes are very important, man. Yeah, so if you're, if you're new to home growing, when you first start out, you probably think potency is, and yield are what you're going to be after. But I, I promise you, within the first few grows, you're going to be starting to chase that smell, chase that flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein just saying that's a damn good show. Damn good show. <laughs> yeah, so let's begin with uh, how, to, how to get the most out of the terpenes when they're growing. Is there things we can do while the plant's growing to either make the plant produce more terpenes or to preserve the terpenes that it does produce. That's what we'll cover first. And there's something Frenchy said. Remember when we interviewed Frenchy and he said it in numerous numerous of his videos as well. So it's an important, important point for him to bring it up so many times. And that's if you are smelling the plant, it means terpenes are evaporating from the plant. 
So th th that's something that you have to try and avoid is having these terpenes evaporate. You know, if you blow too much wind at them or you shake them around too much and a lot of smell comes off them, then that's terpenes evaporating from the plant, which could have been on the plant. So that's a, it's an important thing that he brought up many times. You, you remember him saying that, Monkey? Oh, yeah. He mentioned that as far as both, you know, the temperatures around the plants releasing terpenes, mm. you agitating the terpenes, many, many different ways. But yeah, he always advocated handling your plants very gently to preserve right. your terpenes. And as you mentioned there with, with temperature, temperature is an important factor because if the different terpenes will evaporate at different temperatures. So if you have a grow room that's really warm, you know, heading up to 30 degrees Celsius, for example, then that's going to make certain terpenes evaporate from the plant and you'll never taste them when you consume the cannabis, either vaporing it or smoking it. You know, you, you won't have them there because they've all evaporated off the plant. But grow rooms that are cooler, and this is something that Marco brought up when we interviewed Marco and he was telling about his cannabis. He, he likes to keep the temperatures really cool because mm -hmm. that preserves more of the terpenes. The terpenes are not evaporating because it's not reaching the temperature they need in order for them to evaporate. So keeping it cool is ideal. And he said he was even dropping it down to like 12 degrees Celsius and yes, 10 degrees, was. right? Yeah, like really fucking 10, cold at some point. 10 to 15 degrees Celsius is, is where he was running his grow room to maximize terpene, I would say, conservation. Yeah, yeah, preservation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, different stresses will bring out different terpenes as well and make them produce more. But temperature is definitely a big aspect, man. If you want to produce high-quality, great-smelling, great-tasting cannabis, then you have to preserve as many as the terpenes as possible. And one of the mm -hmm. ways you can do that is by running a cooler grow room. What do you think, Bob? Do you think anything about this? Well, yeah, so terpenes are classed as a volatile organic compound. So the volatile part is the bit that you need to focus in on and being a hydrocarbon, it, they will, the heat will do it. Um, too much airflow will do it. So you, you got to be careful with bringing that heat up in a grow room because you are going to lose it. And certain ones will evaporate at different temperatures too. So the same, it's basic, the same basic premise for a vaporizer, right? Is that mm -hmm. you, you're bringing it up to a certain temp to vaporize those compounds um it's some of those will you know i think there's some that that um evaporate at around 28 29 c um so which is also the reason we say to dry and uh, in a cooler as cool as you can get it um around that sort of 20 c mark because you want to be preserving those terpenes that way mm -hmm. not letting them uh not letting them gas off like you like they do so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a, a way to preserve it whilst the uh, plants are growing. What can we do as well whilst the plants growing to increase the terpene production? Because one of the main things that I've seen and heard people talking about is uh, using bacteria. This seems to increase the amount of uh, trichomes that are being produced and the amount of terpenes that are being produced along with it. Have you you've seen stuff about this, right, Monkey? And you've got experience with this as well because. You've been using some organic amendments which have bacteria in with your cocoa grow recently, and it's improved the flavor, would you say? Yes, it has improved the flavor. It's something that I, that I took on about two to three years ago, a couple of years ago, I think probably, but good if, I, if my memory served me right, though. But yes, going from a successful cocoa grower, I just wanted to increase the flavor. I was didn't care so much about the yield. I just wanted better tasting cannabis. And so I went on, on a mission, started with things like lactobacillus, and then moved into JMS, and now into compost teas, worm teas. But yes, putting microbes back in, into the cocoa, in the flower cycle especially, so that I'll, I can get different compounds, in, uh, pushing different organic compounds into the, into the system to get these terpenes and these trichomes to come up. Mm -hmm. By all means, it works. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's it, totally different than what most people would think. Though. So cocoa is supposed to be a nice sterile system, and here I am throwing pretty... Uh, pretty aggressive uh, bacteria and fungi at it here. And so, yeah, it, it, it does many things, but one thing it's going to do is it does attack the cocoa a little bit. So it changes the way I have to grow. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you end up with something that tastes completely different than salt grown. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be one of the biggest differences is the bacteria, man. And th this is 
what makes the difference with the living soil grows as well because living soil it has shitloads of bacteria in there and lots of different types of bacteria as well and this seems to be what is producing a shitload of flavor on these on these uh, award-winning cannabis like when we were speaking to marco again he is a fully organic grower uses a uh, living soil with lots of different types of microbes and stuff and the person who came second as well in the same competition he won his bouts on yeah he also is a living soil grow with lots of bacteria there's been lots of people who have won these awards who have been in living soil so it does seem as if anecdotally that having some kind of bacteria herd in the medium as the plants growing will make an impact a positive impact on the terpene production by the look of things it's definitely something to check out what, yeah, do, what do you it, think, Bob? Because have you ever done anything like that, added bacteria into your cocoa? Because you're a cocoa grower too, right? Um, I've actually run um, organics or organic liquids before, and I have found that you do tend to get a heavier profile. Um, but you know, this is the thing. It's it's kind of I've run I've run a salt based rum that smells absolutely ridiculous and tastes fantastic and then i've had organic runs that taste like trash so i think i think there's a fine line mm-hmm. um and and it's it's finding that fine line like as monkeys do you know you how many different types of of um inputs are you you adding that bacteria in and then you know, the, are the salts then cancelling that out as well? You know, there's there's a there's a happy medium there that needs to be maintained. Um, I look, I I like it. I like I like sun grown outside where it's it's got all access to um to the natural biome and and things like that. So, um, and I do find that the flavors are different, whether they're necessarily better because it's grown with an organics and things like that. I I couldn't say one way or the other um personally um but that but that's me you know i I have tried it and and i don't mind it but i i find myself going back to still running um still running the salts so Mm -hmm. well i mean if that's what you prefer to consume by all means i i I would do the same thing i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's personal preference a lot Um, yeah yeah you know if, if, if you're finding if you're finding that adding those inputs helps and makes it better tasting for you by all means you know what i mean like there's no there's no cut and dry way to do this and i think that's the best part about the hobby is there's so many different ways you can do it and so many different methods to um to get to so many different conclusions so Mm -hmm. yeah um, and i'm not even finished experimenting yet you know (laughs) yeah exactly i'll be experimenting as long as i'm growing i'll be trying something new all the time Mm. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm always trying something different. Um, yeah. But I I tend to mess with my environmental inputs more than I mess with my feed input. Um, and that, that's just the way I've I mess around with things. Um, whereas obviously you're keeping your your environment perfect where it needs to be in the Goldilocks zone, and then changing up what's going into the medium and and what those plants are eating. So to um, Two different ways to uh, go swimming with a cat, so to speak. Yes. Well, let, me, let me ask you uh, something here, because you're in the same situation I am. We both grow cocoa and we both use rainwater as inputs. Now, I've also, I started using regular tap water, city water. And I, when right. I switched to rainwater, I found that my plants were healthier and my terpenes were stronger because the plants were feeding better because they, they had a lower EC from the water and all that other good stuff like that. It's probably because find, of the chlorine, right? Because there'll be chlorine be. in your water that's killing off bacteria in the it, cocoa. It could be, but I really don't know. You know, I don't have mm. any evidence saying, yeah, the rainwater definitely make, makes the cannabis taste better, but I feel like it did. Yeah, mm. look, I, I've i tried both ways and I've done it with, um, I've done it with, with the, you know what we call town water or tap water yeah and it's it's not necessarily i think just the the chlorine in it because they do add a fair bit and your background ec can be ridiculous with Mm -hmm. with a tap water whereas you know my rainwater's like 0.03 or something like that ec exactly um so there is there's basically nothing in it um and and i think because of that you're getting 
when you're adding in your inputs from there, you sort of you're able to dial it in a lot cleaner, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you're not sort of guessing what else may be going in there because you never know. I mean, unless you're testing your water every time uh, coming out of the tap, even if you're testing EC or parts per million, however you want to do it, you, you're never going to know exactly what's in that water. And vice versa, it's the same with the rainwater, but there's less of what yeah. could be in it. So, you know, you can kind of dial in a lot more. I much prefer rainwater. I, I just, it's one of those things, I, if I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow with rainwater. Um, right, right, right. So and, that's, and, that's my preference. Yeah, and me living down in the deep south where I live, we're at the bottom of, of all of these uh, river river systems here. So water being pulled from the rivers is going to have, like you're saying, very high EC, mm-hmm. uh, not, not the greatest water to grow in and all that stuff like that. So moving to rainwater to me made a huge difference. Whereas if you're in a place where your water is very good, and I know there's a lot of places in the world that are, uh, then you, the rainwater may not make as much of a difference for you. But if you have a situation where you're fighting that high EC and uh, give something like either RO water or rainwater or something like that a shot, it has a good hmm. chance at making your plants more healthy and flavorful. Yeah. Yeah. Just so be aware that... Sorry, Bob. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, just be aware that your EC, oh, your pH, sorry, is going to be wildly different in a oh, rainwater versus, <laughs> versus a, a tap water. So, you know, you've got to keep an eye on that. And it does tend to swing a little bit. Um, so I find that rainwater is a lot less stable when it comes to pH. So if you're if you're using it in a res, um, be checking it before you, you're feeding. You know, it doesn't take long to check your pH, but keeping an no. eye on it because it can swing. Yep, you're right. Yeah, so uh, coming back to the whole how to get as many terpenes as possible, one of them is going to be picking the right genetics. You know, when we did the whole trichome one a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, it's pretty much the same kind of thing as, as that. You know, you need to figure out which strains have the right flavor that you like and which ones produce the most amount of terpenes and then get the good genetics. You know, genetics, it's going to make a huge difference when it comes to something like terpene production. So make sure you pick something back grows a lot of terpenes, man. And something that's frosty, you know, they're pretty much the same kind of things that we spoke about on the trichomes episode. Don't you think, mm-hmm. everybody? Yeah. yeah. I've, much, seen, yeah. A, I've seen a lot more terpene profiles being listed um, by seed banks now as well. So mm-hmm. that information's mm-hmm. starting to starting to really come out now. So, um, you know, you've got plenty of different choices. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think genetics are ge- genetics are a huge part, um, a whole huge part of that puzzle. That's right. Of the cannabinoid content and the terpene content, have to get the right genetics in the first place, and then of course just keeping the plant healthy throughout its whole life cycle. You know, if it's happy and healthy, it can concentrate on producing the, those nice terpenes. Yeah, that, that's what it can work on, rather than trying to fix the problems it has because it doesn't have enough magnesium or something. No, as long as you can keep it happy and healthy, it'll produce the right amount of terpenes. Yeah. Usually that yeah, is and, correct, and, yeah. and and that's the thing, to, you know, that's where the temperature comes into it as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I think temperature is a big one, man. It's a, it's a misunderstood one. It's, it's huge. The, the cooler yeah. you can keep it, the better. That's going to make a big difference on the flavor because it's, it's as simple as the terpenes will be evaporating at different temperatures. So the cooler you have it, the less terpenes are going to evaporate. My winter buds are oilier and smellier Mm -hmm. than my summer buds are because, well, I I guess I could try to turn the AC down far enough in the summertime to make it work, but it would be very expensive to do that. But in the wintertime, I'll drop the temperature in my grow room as much as 10 or 15 degrees lower than it is now. And yeah, the terpenes will just boom. Yeah, not not gonna know. lie, I've I've seen lows of twelve, thirteen C over winter in my tents. So, and they just don't mind. Like, yes, the plant's not gonna get as big in the early stages, um, but, but they'll fatten I, up I find, though, won't they? Oh yeah, they they still fatten up. Um, but you know, I, I'm finding in in winter I can dial it in and it never really gets above twenty five C. Like twenty five C is the max. Um, and, and I'm, I, I prefer the weed grown in winter than I do in summer. So, I mean, if that says anything to you, 
But it's not just that as well. While it's growing, and it? it's it's about the drying as well. And during the summertime, it's harder to keep it cooler, so the the uh, weed dries faster. So that makes a difference to the uh, overall taste at the end as well, doesn't it? So like it's just the whole heat thing over the summertime just makes everything difficult, man. And it makes yeah. the weed of, of a less lesser of a quality, but it's still going to be okay. But that winter weed where you've managed to c- control the temperatures and keep them cooler, that's going to make a difference to the terpene content, man. Yeah, heat and terpenes—that's definitely an opposite there. You know, more heat is, mm-hmm. is less terpene, but for sure, gotta so. find that right balance in between keeping it cool enough so the terpenes don't evaporate. It's like, for example, I've, I've read somewhere before that anything over fifteen degrees Celsius will make the terpene that tastes like pineapple evaporate, and that's why it's so hard to get weed that tastes like pineapples. Is because it's hard to keep a grow room underneath fifteen degrees Celsius. But if you can do that, then you'll get them lower, lower end terpenes for those flavors. And that's 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 wild considering where pineapples are grown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got I got them in my backyard growing right now in forty uh, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and they're still going to taste like pineapple. So, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and of course, when it's cooler just... like that as well, you're risking mold too. It's it's this fine balance you have to find of just finding that low end temperature that you're comfortable with and your plants are comfortable with. But damn, yeah, don't keep it like a fridge and shit. You know. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, I was Scary. talking. I can't remember who I was talking to. Um, it might have been SG two. We were talking about the canna trolls, mm-hmm. and um, you know, something like that. That they did. Whether I, I don't. I'd like to see the difference between something grown and then cured in a canna troll mm-hmm. versus your, your standard, and whether there's a difference um, in the terpene content as well. Because something, something to me about getting it to to dry real quick um it's just i i think that that takes a lot out of um mm-hmm. the end result too so yeah i said definitely to try that shit jeremy was talking about the carrot control from build a soil uh he uses yeah. one apparently and he yeah, said and that mr uh, grow it did as well uh and he said apparently what the uh advantage to him was was it stores the bud at a lower temperature than room temperature long term mm. Mm. right okay so you, you don't lose his terpenes long term that way okay yeah Very well you know it, it's just it you know i don't have twelve thousand pounds to spend on a canatrol yep. yet so. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no but if canatrol wants to drop one by for us to check out we'd be yeah well you yeah, know huh? yeah. yes send that my way bro <laughs> yeah. i'll do a video diary i promise okay <laughs> yeah man so yeah, that's an important one. Temperature, it's uh, massively important if you want to try and preserve your terpenes and if you want the plant to create more terpenes as well. But finding that balance where the plant's happy and the terpenes are not evaporating is a tough one, man. So take your time with that. And eventually, you'll get it right with practice. And if you're using cuttings and you know being used to using particular strains, then you'll get used to what temperatures they can uh, mm-hmm. put up with. But each plant is going to be different. So just bear that in mind when you're heading down that route. But the, these stress techniques as well, you know, like the droughts, giving the giving the plant a prolonged drought period. It's another thing that Marco did, and Marco knows what the fuck he's doing, but he would not water the plant for 10 days and let it really dry out and put it under a stress technique like that. And there's a few things that are going to cause things to happen there. Is the plant's going to be stressed, and so it will produce more terpenes. Uh, and then... Mm-hmm. It's also the lower humidity because the high humidity will start to ruin the terpenes as well. Too much moisture in the air. You know, so if it's a little dry in the air, then you've got more chance of the terpenes surviving. And when you water the plants, the, some of that water evaporates into the atmosphere around it and raises the humidity in the grow room. So having that, that dry spell, that might make a difference to the uh, terpene production as well and the, and the terpene preservation as well. What do you think about that? I'm confused mm-hmm. with, the, with the environmental uh, stressors. Um, easy example mm-hmm. is last weekend, you know, I had no air conditioning in my grow room. Mm-hmm. So I left I left lights off and the tents all day because, you know, you don't want your tents hot. Just basically let everything have a day off and mm-hmm. came back in, fixed the air conditioning the next day. There was a physical Im- improvement in the frostiness of, of the plants. When I got the AC running again and checked on my plants, they were frostier than it was when the AC broke. All right. So temperature did have a factor in here, mm. but I'm so confused as the stressors of what's going to do what, what's better, what's worse. All I can say is that, yeah, 
environmental stresses will cause your plants to do things, but you're going to have to experiment to figure it out because mm -hmm. it's, a, mm -hmm. I don't, is there any book or any kind of resource out there that says specifically this will do this? I mean, I've heard a lot of bro science out there other than that. Yeah, I, I think so right now it's still reasonably bro science because the studies haven't been done like properly, like peer reviewed, double blinded. Yeah. Exactly. real studies Re you know repeatable uh results mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of thing like that like i said oh yeah this happened but it was the only time it happened i got mm -hmm, no backup mm -hmm. here but th those studies should be coming soon because it's been uh reasonably legal in many places now so hopefully we'll start figuring out what actually makes a difference and maybe in 20 years time we're gonna know for sure how to produce the highest quality cannabis and, and you know take it step by step like a, a list of boxes to tick to make sure things are going on mm -hmm. yeah i mean there are some things that i could call rituals that i do to, to increase terpenes like i'll skip a day of watering at a, a toward the latter part of flowering just to kind of give the plants a minor stressor i don't want to hurt them a lot but just one day i'll skip and mm -hmm. i think it helps you know the plants seem to be happy when i give them water again and they kind of start getting fatter faster after they've been stressed a little bit, but I can't prove any of this is good. Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. like, I think it works. And yeah. I think a lot of cannabis growers out there don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, well, this is what I do and I, I like how it works. So this is how I do it mm -hmm. with no other information. Yeah. yeah, man. So then when it comes, it comes to feeding the plant during the, you know, during different periods of the growth to get more terpenes, I heard a long time ago, that using bat shit improves the flavor of uh, of your cannabis. It makes it improve. It makes it grow more terpenes. And I've tried it. I've put bat shit with my weed before, and it was tasty. But you know, would it have been tasty anyway? This is the thing. Mm. You know, we we don't know whether it's uh, correct or not. But I'm sure many of you guys have heard about bat shit being a good food to increase terpene production as well, right? I've used it actually, it was not intentionally. I, I used all the Fox Swarms Trio in the beginning. Uh, first right. two two runs and their grow big is a uh, high high uh, content back guano. So yeah, I have used it and I do remember the first couple grows that I did. Uh, I didn't know much about controlling temperatures and tents and whatnot like that, but I do remember the misses walking in the grow room and saying, "My gosh, this place has a it's a strong smell." So I would say that yes, the guano did make it smell. Mm -hmm. Or oh, you've good. just gone nose deaf over the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's probably some of it. And I'm always concerned about that. Yeah, me too, actually. A couple of times I've walked in and gone, fuck. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah. I remember going on holiday for a week and, you know, always thinking, yeah, my house doesn't stink of weed. And then I went on holiday for a week and I came back. Oh, God damn, my like, house stinks of oh. weed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm happy that I actually have a, a you know un, a detached grow area that's not attached mm, in any mm -hmm. way. There's no air connection to the house in my grow area, so that's you know, the the smell can't waft. And I remember one time as well when I was harvesting in the early days of growing, and you know, lived in a different house back then, and I was harvesting, and like, like I took down all the plants. These were my DWC days, so it was a long time ago. I took down all the plants. Brought them downstairs to the living room and it was punging. So I opened up some windows. <laughs> you know, oh. and I'm there all fucking night, man, trimming and you know, you just with the scissors, four beastie fucking cheese plants just sitting there. Uh, you know, thought nothing of it finished. Going like, What's it that was smell? apparently that was the case, but I didn't even know because you know, windows <laughs> were drawn, you know, just sitting there, got this trim done, and then like a few weeks later, the missus was taking the kids to school. And one of her friends says, I walked past your house last week and it fucking stank. <laughs> so, oh, damn, damn. Yeah. All those terpenes escaping out the window, you bastard. But mm -hmm. yeah, this is another important thing when it comes to drying and harvesting and things like that. First off, harvest at the right time, just like the whole trichome production thing. You know, make sure you're harvesting at the right time to get the well, get, get it where it's at, the peak terpene production. That's what you want to get. So if you can do that, that's going to make a big difference. You can smell the plant. The plant will smell a particular way when it's at peak terpene production. You, you just know. You go in the tent one day and be like, ooh, that's a thick, pungent cannabis aroma right there. And then that's a, a good time to harvest, you know? But, uh, you you have to like definitely make sure it's done. Sorry, Bubba. 
No, sorry. I was going to say, it can feel like it happens overnight too sometimes mm, where you'll yeah. be, you know, you'll be looking at it one day and you're like, oh, not too bad. And then you come in the next day and it's just dank. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like, whoo, what's got going in here to the morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then when it comes to the uh, the drying bit as well, handling the buds properly is very, very important, man. You, you need to not damage them in any way. The more you touch them, the more terpenes are going to evaporate from them. So you have to be very careful when it comes to the whole harvesting thing, right? Yeah. There's a lot of terpenes that are, that are deep down inside of that bud. And when you're curing them, that's what you're trying to do is redistribute all of those terpenes that are inside that bud everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to overhandle your buds and knock off the frost and get rid of all those terpenes by all means, as gentle as you can. Don't go shaking your jars every day. Be gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it as well. Yeah, don't shake the jars when it's curing. So yeah, letting it properly dry, you know, giving it a good amount of time to dry, slowly dry it as well at a cool temperature again, because the hotter temperatures are going to force different terpenes to evaporate and you want to try and avoid that. You want to try and keep as many terpenes on the plants as possible. So let it dry for longer if you can. That's important, man. At least seven days, at least, you know, try and push for 10 and even better 14 uh, over the drying period. That that would be uh, very cool and then cure from there. What temperature are you trying to, to reach for your drying temperatures, Mackie? Oh, fucking as cool as possible, man. Exactly, like yeah. Tw- 20 degrees maximum. I'd say 15. It'd be, I'd be happy at 15. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like anywhere from about 15 to 20. I, I, yeah. I try not to go too low because then obviously the lower yeah. you go, the longer it takes and the more chance for mold yeah. and things come into yeah. play. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done some drying at 60 cent, 60 Fahrenheit before, and it does take a little while longer, but you get a really nice oily, sticky dry from it. Yeah. Um, but it can take you up to three weeks sometimes to get it dry. If you keep your humidity up around 60% and the temperature at, at around 60 Fahrenheit, yeah, you'll get a nice, slow, beautiful dry. But like Mackie said, you'll be sweating it because every day you open the tent, start looking for that mold. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, man. So the the drying and curing is, is very important towards the end as well. So you have to make sure that's done just to try and preserve the terpenes. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want them uh don't want them evaporating before they go into some paper. You know what I'm saying? Or vaporizer or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In whichever way you can shoot. Yeah. You know, what what else is there? There's uh different ways still. Uh, like CO two enrichment. Uh, anybody? Well, none of us use CO two, but apparently that can in increase the amount of terpenes the plant produces as well but like we say often when we talk about the whole co2 thing as home growers incorporating co2 into the room is not cheap and it's not easy and if you have a proper extractor on your grow room it's going to suck the air out of the grow room three times a minute that's what you're looking Mm -hmm. for so that's to pump co2 in there and have it actually make an effect is going to be difficult. The best way you can incorporate CO2 into your grow room is by spending time with your plants. That's the best way. You know, yeah. cheap, you do, you're doing it free, and, you know, it, it, you're constantly being pushed into the grow room then as well. Yeah, serenade your yeah. plants. Go in there and sing them a song. Yeah, yeah reggae, I'd, I'd be preferably. Very... <laughs> reggae, right, um, rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be very surprised if a regular consumer could tell the difference between something that's had CO2 added and hasn't. It's not, it's mm-hmm. not a massive difference as far as the, the terpene. Although in saying that, the the way in which they cure it afterwards, I've seen people using CO2 in the cure and it stops some of the oxidization happening. Okay. That that could possibly boost the end terpene content. Again, not certain. It's not something I've really looked into, um, but I, I get that. I understand how that would that could potentially be a thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you're just basically displacing the oxygen and trying to slow down oxidation of your buds. I guess you could use nitrogen or any other kind of displacement gas for that as well to yeah. try it. Yeah. So you just yeah curing. So what do we have so far? We have uh, getting the proper genetics. That's always number one, man. If you want. The high quality weed, you've got to get the best genetics possible. That will give you the best flavor, 
the best trichome production in general. You know, if you want the good shit, have to start with the good shit. So make sure you're getting the good genetics in the first place. Then temperature is important. You know, that's ne that's next up important on this list is that you want to try and keep the temperatures as cool as possible, especially during the flowering stage where it's producing the most amount of terpenes. You want to keep it as cool as possible without being detrimental to the plant at the same time. You've got to find that balance between, you know, if it's too cold, the plant isn't going to grow as fast. So it's finding that balance between the flavor and the yield you want and how happy the plant is. It depends on the strain, what where the strain's from. You know, if, is it used to colder temperatures or, or hotter temperatures? It depends on the strain and the environment it's been bred in. So you need to take that into consideration as well. So so. What is a cold plant going to look like? How are we can identify that plant? Well, that's going to be shorter and more purpley, and it? it's something that's yeah. grown more more up in the Himalaya mountains. So they're they're mm -hmm. gonna they're gonna be um, a little used to the cold compared to mm -hmm. like equatorial cannabis strains, things grown in the tropics. You know, if we yeah. put one of those equatorial strains in the cold, the leaves are going to kind of droop a little bit. It's going to mm -hmm. be real happy looking. So yeah, it'll, it'll start telling you it needs mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. something different. Yeah. So, you know, choose the strain wisely, everybody. That's it. that's uh, an important one. You know, in, if it's summertime, then it's going to be difficult for you to control the temperature and keep it cool unless you've got air conditioning, and then that's going to be expensive. So, you, you know, you have to bear all of these things in mind when you're figuring out your grow and which direction the grow is going to head in as well. So take all these things into consideration. And then, uh, you know, proper lighting, of course, making sure that the plant has enough light to produce the things it needs to produce like the terpenes and the trichomes and you know the buds and the plant itself it, it needs good light in order to make food so it can be happy and healthy and produce everything it's supposed to produce so light's another important one right would you say so light is light is very important and different spectrums mm -hmm. can give you different terpene profiles mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah man so yeah light spectrum the temperature uh, stress techniques as Monkey said, he left this in the dark the other day and he seems to have got some uh, extra trichome production there. And th those uh, trichomes, they're going to have terpenes in, you know, so that's going to make a difference as well. Yeah, you're going to have to experiment with that on your own though, figure out which stresses work for you and your with your mm -hmm. kit. Just don't put a fucking nail in the stem. That's not, that's not yeah. good. Uh, that's don't not do a good that. idea at all. <laughs> or cover, cover your medium in ice or something like that. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just cringe when I see those, pic those pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh... Well, I mean, right, each uh, to their own, but it re I, you know, I've never seen it do a whole lot. Well, other yeah. than just upset the plant. <laughs> I've seen a lot of a lot of friends who have been given. I'm going to change it, change the type of plant orchids as gifts. You know, mm. women women get these; they look great in the store. Get them home, so they figure, okay, I'm going to take care of this plant, and they do exactly what you're talking about. They put ice cubes on top of the orchid trying to water the orchid orchid is a tropical plant it does not like ice water yeah. it will kill the plants cannabis is the same thing it's a tropical plant it does not like ice water mm -hmm. yeah yeah it can deal with colder temperatures but putting ice directly in any of the root zone is not a smart move you're going to piss the plant off and the stress is not going to give you more terpenes no yeah and then we have the organic soil amendments as well and, you know, if you're growing with organic soil or organic foods, living soil and things like that, then you're obviously already using that. But if you're in hydroponics, then you might want to add, even if you're in living soil, you might want to add some microbes yourself if you can. So, you know, like worm teas, some lactobacillus, some uh, some JMS, if you can do that. Just anything that can increase the microbe content because the microbes can, uh, by the look of things, you know, it's, it's still not in, uh, I don't think there's any scientific papers been done on it just yet but it does seem as if the amount of microbes in the grow medium will increase the terpene and trichrome production of your plant. So make sure that you're using uh, lots of microbes if you can. What, what are you using, Monkey? Because I know you're using the uh, the organics with your cocoa. You're using uh, lactobacillus, right? Okay. Lactobacillus, lactobacillus, worm tea, JMS, and compost tea. And I cool. rotate them. Yeah. I rotate them. I try to get... I was uh, slowing down now because I'm getting close to harvest on it, but I was trying to get one set of microbes per week in it. That's a lot, right. lot more aggressive than I have been. But again, so, I'm in experimentation, experimentation here. I'm just trying new, new things to see what's happening. 
when you're doing this, because you're in a cocoa grow, and when people generally grow in cocoa, they're looking at using the same feed every day. Mm -hmm. Say, for right. example, 1.7 EC with a 5.8 pH. When you're using the any one of these additional nutrients that you're using, the, the mm -hmm. lactobacillus or the worm tea, do you also add your salt-based nutrients or is it just a feed of just those bacteria that you're giving the plant? Usually when I'm adding these microbes, it's, it's in flower. Uh, I will add them sometimes in, in veg just to get them a good boost. It, it mm -hmm. works, but I add them more frequently in flower. And because what I'm usually doing in flower and cocoa anyway, is I'm doing two a day feeds, mm. the afternoon feed would be the microbes that day. And so feeds, just microbes, just yeah, the microbes. morning, morning right. feed is regular. The afternoon feed would be just microbes. And with the microbes, I don't really find that I, that I push it to where I'm getting all a runoff and stuff like that. I just want to get microbes into the pot. So I'll put, right. you know, just a couple of, a couple of good glugs of the microbes in there that afternoon to make sure that the media is good and wet. And then next day I go back to feed normally. The right. uh, cocoa grows, you, when you do that, there's enough, enough built up in the soil, in the, the media itself, plus there's enough uh, nutrients in the, in the leaves, the plant won't even hiccup. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it does nothing but good. It keeps on going like you just gave it food. Sweet. Yeah, man. So add some of those bacteria, if you can. Lots of different kinds of bacteria you can use uh, to increase the terpene production on your plant as well. So don't be shy, man. Use some of those. And like Mucky said, if you're growing in cocoa there or using hydro, do it for one feed and then go back to normal on the next feed. Right. Yeah. My next run will be liquid IMO as well. I'll try. We'll nice. See. So this will be a big jump going from JMS into, into the big dogs of liquid IMO. Much, much more uh, fungus type material, you know, going in That's here. That's right. So the best genetics with the coolest temperatures possible along with some bacteria thrown in there with the grow medium and, you know, keeping a happy and healthy plant as well. If you can do those things, then you're probably looking at producing a plant that has a shitload of high quality terpenes on it with nice, good tasting, high stinking quality cannabis, you know, and, and that's what you're looking for. And then it comes down to harvesting the plant at the right time, making sure you're getting it at the peak terpene production and you'll be able to just know from the smell. And, you know, properly harvesting is easy enough to do. You're just looking at the trichomes. Well, one of the best ways to tell is looking at the trichomes and seeing majority milky, say about 90% milky trichomes. So they're not see-through, they're opaque, you know, they're uh, milky, frosty, and uh, about 10% amber. And then the, the clear trichomes are immature THC trichomes. So you don't want those. You want to try and get it clear. But you can listen, listen to our episode about uh, harvesting, you know, when to harvest. Uh, way back in the day, we did the episode. So check that out if you want to learn more about harvesting as well. And the drying and curing. We have episodes specifically on those too. But uh, we'll just quickly summarize it now so you know what we're talking about. You know, harvesting at the right time. The drying period, again, keep it as cool as possible to make sure that the terpenes do not evaporate. And the cooler you can do it, the better. But the cooler it is, the longer it's going to take and the more chance you have of mold germinating on the buds. So be very careful of that shit as well. You have to take these things into consideration as well. So keep it as cool as you can, but not a detriment to the buds themselves. Then uh, drying and curing. Uh, make sure that it's, when you're curing, make sure it's airtight jars. If you can smell the weed through the jars, that's terpenes evaporating and escaping. You want to try and lock them fuckers in so they can't get out and they stay with the buds. And that will make sure that the smell and the flavor is maintained for longer as well. And as Monkey said, don't shake up the jars too much, you know, because that will damage the buds and aggravate the terpenes as well. Try not to do things like that. Be very gentle with the buds. That will preserve as many as the trichomes and the terpenes as possible. Uh, any yeah anything uh, good good fucking storage is important you know just to make sure that the terpenes and escaping if you can smell the weed that's terpenes escaping so you don't want that man you want to make sure that it's uh properly airtight yeah and that's why after your buds are cured you get the right humidity in the jar leave the jar shut don't go in there and smell it every week yeah even though it's, it's a, difficult not to just be I know, well, one good I know. smell but use the jar that's art you're already open and don't open every jar and smell it because that oh mm -hmm. no that, that that would be mm -hmm. a crime to do that you're wasting stuff yeah but i have to say yeah when my friends come over that's the first thing they always want to do is smell the jar <laughs> can you smell your jars man 
Oh, they don't yeah. even ask. They just pick it up and open it up and go for it. What do you mean? Permission? <laughs> Permission? Hell. They would be banned from my house. <laughs> I almost felt like it a couple of times. When they opened the Nakatomi Plaza jar, and literally, they didn't even have to put it up to their nose last time. That, that stuff was so strong. Jesus. It was like, whoa, I can smell it already. Yep. Put the cap back on it, please. Yeah, so before we summarize, because this is pretty much done, that's everything we can tell you about terpenes and stuff, and we don't have any list of mail questions, uh, unless you all have questions in the chat. If you have questions, make sure you drop them in the chat with a, a cue before them so we know they're questions for us. But is there any particular strain you guys would recommend that have a high terpene production? Obviously, I'll go for lemon tree. Lemon tree has been fucking delicious. It's a strain that I highly recommend to people. Very, very nice, tasty weed. So, uh, but you know, that's uh, that's my my um, what word am I looking for? That's my preference. You know, okay. Uh, that's the terpenes I like, and it, also they were grown organically. Those ones were, so that might uh, make a difference uh, as well. You know, that was grown in living soil. So that might be why they turned out so flavorful is because they were grown with all that bacteria. But who knows, eh? Who knows? So what about you, Bubba? What would you say? What, what terpene-rich strains would you grow? Um, see, I, I like um, skunky, pissy strains. I don't mind some gas strains. Um, so, I mean, and see, I'm, I'm big on the citrus terps as well. Um I really liked, I did a, what was called Gorilla OG. Mm. Um, it was a mango kush crossed with Gorilla Glue. And it was this um, piney mango kush. Uh, that was probably one of my favorites. Um, the Blackjack from Weed Seeds Express, that's really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be preference. Um like I don't mind subtle as well. Like so, um, you know, things like a white rhino can be quite subtle. Um, yeah, I mean, if if I was at the moment, like I can't I can't say yet because I haven't smoked any. But this the um, critical orange punch, that thing. If if you're big on your citrus terps, that thing's a winner mm -hmm. for sure. As as I'm sure that. Lemon Tree would be, but you know, since Mackie buys them all and I never get a chance to order any, <laughs> <of them, so. laughs> he buys them all, smokes them all. What's talking about? I just smoke the seeds, man. Pop, yeah. pop. Yeah. Grinds them up, gets the pure stuff. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? What are you recommending for people to get out there and uh, enjoy geez, the terpenes man. off? I've had too many, too many that I've enjoyed. I'm, I, I prefer mostly into the fruity strains. You know, I've, gosh, I've had some outstanding mimosa i've had some outstanding crystalline entity blue dream i mean come on nakatomi plaza there's just so many of them out there i can't really tell you if it's the strains how they were grown or, or what it what it was about it but just you know i've had certain jars that i like and certain jars that get me almost immediately turned into edibles um yeah nice i uh, just you know i can't recommend a specific one i, I would just basically say Whatever you think you like the most, start mm -hmm. there and then go from there. Just hunt around until you find your favorites. But nice. with me, with me, I'll, my favorite this week is not going to be my favorite next month. I guarantee it. <laughs> I get mm -hmm. tired of things. I want something new or flavorful. Yeah. But then you go back to them after a couple of yeah, months and you're like, oh, how did I ever get sick of this? I didn't, I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not throwing it away. <laughs> the favorites stay around. It's the stuff I don't like that gets made into edibles. Yeah. Well, um, oh, yeah. That's uh, uh, Doctor Evil has a nice question here, which uh, is pretty easy to answer for me. Is uh, can you recommend oh. any terpene-rich <laughs> auto strains? Never had a tasty strain yet. That's crazy. You need to get the quality shit, man. Go to Mephisto. If you want good autos, you gotta go to Mephisto. That was one of the tastiest auto strains I've ever grown. When I grew Mephisto back in the day, that sour crinkle, that Illuminato. 21 that was the shit man that was well, fucking delicious well, I, weed you specialize in autos i'm sure you could answer mm, a flavorful mm, auto I, strain i i would have to say that you, pretty much anything barney's farm i've done is is a winner um terpene rich 
the wedding cake was pretty good. Uh, mm, if you like mm. chocolate and vanilla, I got some real nice chocolate vanilla terps off that. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd go something like a wedding cake, or again, just depends on what on what you like. What what's your preference? Because there's so many out there um, that you know I could recommend you something, and you get it, and you're like, that smells like shit. Um, like actually, so shit, that smells like baby yeah. sick. Yeah, and if it's, you know, and I'd I'd be quite happy with that terp. Um, you know, see like GMOs as well. Some people like it, some people hate it. Um, mm-hmm. Diesel, but I, you know that fuelly chemical kind of flavor. People, some yeah, people don't like yeah. that at all, man. But that, that's fucking delicious too. Yeah, Depends what I've had an AK forty seven that was just filth as far as gas went. Mm-hmm. Um, it tasted like an yeah. actual AK. I thought yeah. it's just being cleaned and oiled and you lick the metal. It's like, yes, that tastes like AK. Mm, yeah, that's a bit of gun oil. <laughs> I was saying. Mm-mm. Now, look, I, I mean, yeah, if, if I was if I was poked with a stick and told, you know, you have to you have to choose um a mango kush is probably one of my favorite ones because it's just got that meaty. Uh, fruity scent to it um and and I'd, i like that so mm-hmm. but again that's my personal preference but having it mixed with pine was something different um that was a real <laughs> that was really weird it was not something i was used to because you know I'd, I'd had mangoes in the like mango kush in the past and i love the mango um but the that that weird hint of pine at the end you're like i don't know but well, you get used to it i suppose it's one of those things mm-hmm. smoke enough of it what about you, Monkey? What autos would you recommend? I don't grow a lot of autos. I grow right. about one, maybe one auto run a year, and every other, I skip it. It seems like I skip every other year. So I really mm-hmm. don't, I'm not qualified for that one. Yeah. yeah. But I like the improper weeds, Viking of a perfect terpene strain, parmesan and dog shit with a hint of cat piss. <laughs> nice. Nice. Perfection. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're, you're gonna include the baby stick on there as well, remember? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 A baby ate parmesan whilst <laughs> riding on a dog as it was attacking a cat. The cat got scared and pissed all over the place. The dog flinched and shit, which caused the baby to be sick with parmesan. There, delicious. What a fucking <laughs> flavor aroma right there. It's just what a, what a profile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> It, it sounds it like smells. a Jordan River description. You know, the way Jordan goes yeah. on about sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it smells yeah. like a homeless guy's armpit, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Mm, it smells so nice, like a homeless man's crotch sweat. You're like, fuck, <laughs> man. <laughs> Jordan, what the hell are you smoking, buddy? You know, yeah. what the hell are you smelling? <laughs> and you know what? A fucking homeless guy's crutch smack smells like. What the fuck? Yeah, come, come on, bro. But you know, that's how it goes sometimes, isn't it? You know, you just uh you've got to do what you gotta do. <laughs> I'm just more worried. I'm just more worried that he's out there wandering around chasing hobos down because they're sm- Let me smell <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you smell so good. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, man, crazy. Yeah, what what the terpenes that we like? You know, some people really do like that. They're like the actual dog shit smell weed. That's fucking. Mm. I love that shit. I do. I don't know. It's just next time I come across someone, I know who to call. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you, if anybody knows of any really <laughs> dog shitty weed, you know that that old school nineties fucking cheese smell, man. That that yeah. dog shit weed. You know, it's just like it just like you fed cheese to your dog. And your dogs are like lactose intolerant a bit. See, when they shit that out after that mm-hmm. smell, you know, <laughs> you're out there on your hands and knees in your back garden. Yeah. Your neighbors are like, it. what the fuck is wrong with that guy? <laughs> See, to That's... normal people, they'd be dry retching, and you're just out there going, mm, give me some more. <laughs> I, I could feel the warmth. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And if you've got the right neighbors, they'll jump over the fence and join you. They're like, oh, is that dog shit? (laughs) (laughs) Shit, yeah. Yeah, sorry, everybody. Tangents, tangents. 
I and know. then Skunk Ape's talking about he he likes the uh, the rotten fruit ones. I, I do like those, the ones the overripe berries or, or like you know the rotten orange smell. I, yeah, that doesn't yeah. bother me at all. I like those. <laughs> yeah, like the fruit that's dropped on the ground and just sat there fermenting in the sun. Yeah, yeah. another yeah. smell. I, yeah, yeah, I like those. Yeah, so Doctor Evil's gone from appreciating the answer to fuck's sake, Mackie, that's rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we can help, bro. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, man. See, so you just got to get out there. You got to experiment with as many strains as possible. Try as many as possible and see which ones you like the most. And then just go to a, a reputable breeder, you know, like Barney's Farm, uh, Dutch Passion, always good. You know, um, Mephisto, if you want autos. There's so many different strains out there. You've really just got to experiment with, you know, get what you can get. That's just the way it is, man. Yeah. What I like might be disgusting compared to the things like you like. You know, we're, we're all different. We all prefer our own shit. I thought you were going to tell him about Auto Colorado Cookies when he rec- had a recommendation. Oh, shit. <laughs> Even I remember back to favorite thing. Damn, yeah, Auto Colorado Cookies. Out of all of the autos I've ever grown, Auto Colorado Cookies is the one I've grown the most of. I love that fucking strain. Damn. It's been so long. Now I'm going to have to get all the Colorado cookie beans. Shit, I ain't even got space for them. Shit. Oh, well. Oh, well. But yeah, that's some good shit. You let that shit go for the full 100 days, man. I mean, it's done in 70. And then Tony from Dutch Passion says to me, let one of them go for 100 days and you'll see. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I let a couple of those plants go for 100 days and damn, it made a difference, man. It's but incredible. Terping- Terpenes develop, let them, let them mm-hmm. boom in there, let them get the full potential. Yeah, the density of the buds, the the quality of the terpenes, you know, both smoking it and smelling it, it was incredible weed. I, I love Auto Colorado cookies. That's the shit, man. Mm-hmm. But Mephisto, man, the, the shit that I've grown from Mephisto is also good as well. They, they have always produced good genetics. So you try them. Everybody should try them. They're, they're good shit. But is that everything? I think that's a... Is there anything else that we should add here? Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered. Yeah, pretty much covered everything to do with turpies. Answered it, uh, Doctor Evil's question there, but well, I think that's it. Then we can go to the outro. You guys have I- any ter- any strains or uh, that uh, you just don't agree with you? I have a couple that you know make me cough more than normal, and just I, I try to avoid because anytime I've grown them, for some reason, I just they just don't agree with me. No, I don't know, really. There's nothing a strain which I haven't liked, really. Well, not but, that I don't like it. It's like Northern Lights makes me cough way more than it should. So I feel like I'm kind of allergic to some kind of a terpene in that Northern Lights. So, mm, so I avoid mm. it. There's so many other ones out there. I mean, it's it's easy just to avoid that one and find something else. But I was just curious if any of you guys have found anything that, that uh, disagrees with you. No, I, I never have. Not Not really. Hmm. No, okay. I've had, I have had one or two hazes that have that have smelled really floral, um, mm-hmm. like you know Nana's flower garden floral, and mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of that profile. I I just I can't like if it smells like it should be sitting on the shelf in the toilet to get rid mm-hmm. of the shit smell. I'm yeah. not a fan. <laughs> um, you mean like so, my my grandmother's perfume is what you're talking? About. Yeah, like perfume or pop puree that sort of thing. Like yeah. I'm not. I just I can't do it. Um, you know, or something with uh, weirdly enough, like, and I don't mind lavender, but that lavender musk, that that sort of thing, I think that's charity shop turps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, John. Yeah. That's it. The flora, mothballs moth and lavender. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So that sort of thing, I'm not a fan of. Um, but then, and then other people love it. But but that's old lady like, again, turps, you know, old, old lady <laughs> piss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Old lady uh, reti- retirement village turps, you know, <laughs> <laughs> bingo hall. <laughs> <laughs> New strain, bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> that's definitely a strain name. That is, isn't it bingo hall? God, yeah. <laughs> Oh, bingo hall cush. French <laughs> hotel soap, tectonic truffle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Start blooming, a, 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 a breeding a strain that's pure linalool that we call bingo hall. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> that would just be so cruel. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, that's about it then for the uh, Grow Guides this week. We've answered the questions. We've, uh, we've had a little laugh and a joke here with strain names. What's your favorite terpene and why? Do you have anything that you can recommend to new growers to help them with their terpene production that we have missed out? If so, head over to percysgrowroom.com become a member there and you'll be able to help out all of the growers to grow better cannabis like we do. We're over there helping each other all the time. The community is there helping new growers learn as well. And you can be part of that community, even if you are an expert grower and you don't need other people's help still get over there, show your growing experience with us, share your new growing experience with the new growers. So everybody can learn how to grow better weed because that's what we all want. Just better weed, happier and healthier cannabis plants. And you can help people do that by being a member of PersysGrowRoom.com. Sign up. Uh, anything else to add here? No, I'm just going to say we love photos too. So, oh yes, if you have, yes. If you're if you're a pro and you got some of those dank photos, send them. Mm-hmm. We like seeing them. That's right, man. So there we go. Let's go to the outro. And there we go, everybody. That was this week's Growth Guides. I hope you learned some things and I hope you make stinkier and tastier cannabis with every grow that you have. So there's lots of cool information in that episode. But of course, if you have any questions or you need any more information, then head over to our Cannabis Growers Forum at percysgrowroom.com. You can also find us on our Discord server, which you will find the link to our Discord server in the description of this download. So if you need any help with anything regarding your grow, then just head over to percysgrowroom.com or find us on the Discord. We're always happy to answer your questions and help you out with your grow in any way. So thanks as usual for being here and downloading the show. As I mentioned, don't forget to use the discount code HOHG if you are looking at buying products Earth tickets sometime this week and download the interview with Matt Clifton on Wednesday. It's a real good one, man, and you will enjoy it. But for now, that's it for this week. We'll catch you on the live show on Sunday over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash homegrown at 9 p.m. UK time, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Stay high, stay safe, have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye.